All right. Uh, I've been wanting to do some... I don't want to say less memey, so that's probably a lie, but something that isn't quite the normal show, and yet... and yet is the normal show. But I thought I wanted to talk to some people who maybe know more about racing than we do and could tell us about how to do race good. Uh, I'm not sure that I know more about racing than you do. Um, if you don't know, then you're just, it's, you're uh, exceedingly gifted then, naturally. Uh, the, maybe, maybe the technical stuff, but racing as a whole is a broad, broad sphere. Sure, sure. I'd buy that. Well, I, I so I brought you on. This is this is the first in, in a special um, series, and I, I've kind of wanted to um, branch out and maybe try to do a regular app and a special every week. We'll see how that schedule goes. But but um, kind of you know, I thought about it maybe yesterday. It was like ah, it'd be really good to get on that. I've been talking about it. And uh, you were nice enough to hop on again and talk to us a little bit. I wanted to talk to you in particular about um, about practice practices, practice procedure, practice protocol. I don't know. A lot of P's. Uh, I like that. My guess, of course, being Brian Lockwood. Um, Hello, everybody. Soon to be Porsche Esports Super Cup driver again. Uh, is that safe to say? Is that are you locked in? Yeah, I, I'm mathematically locked excellent, in. Excellent, excellent. I, I I didn't touch you for a second. Um, <laughs> I really didn't. I actually, didn't. but but uh, so um, when I was doing the couple qualifier weeks, um, more out of a place of learning than really likely to qualify. Um, but I often would. Um, I don't want to say share notes because that implies that you learned things from me. That's not really accurate. But um, we'd talk shop, you know, sure. You know, I kind of kind of knew where you're at on lap times and how the weeks Yeah, sure. And um, one thing that I really noticed was that uh, I don't want to ever say, I don't want to imply that, like, I was beating you at the start of the week and all of a sudden you blew by me. But, but um, often at the start of the week, we'd be a lot closer than the end. That that's something I noticed, which isn't, which I actually wouldn't have thought would have been the case. I would have thought that you'd have just been like two seconds ahead forever and ever, you know. But sometimes at the start of the week you'd be like close-ish, but then by the end of the week you'd be gone. So I was like, this this dude's whatever he's doing, whatever whatever his whatever he's doing in practice to improve throughout the week, whether it's setup, whether it's just getting the inputs down, uh, it is more efficient and it's it's better than what I'm doing. So that that much became clear to me regardless of of uh anything else time put in. I mean, the the results were um kind of spoke for themselves. So I don't know, I don't know how you I don't know how you how we'd work through it. Um if you have like a basic structure, I mean, I'll kind of just at the, I mean, maybe just a quick briefing of of um what you're looking for the start of the week and how you're kind of thinking about approaching the next track. I mean, I know with the super cup, you have a little bit more time in between, but um, maybe this is a better example too, for like, you know, because of the huge majority of the member base is doing weekly racing, you know, every week, new track. So right. talking about 
the qualifying series might be kind of interesting how you approach that um, with the, you know, transitioning from the previous week on the, on the Saturday morning and you're done and then going to the next one. How do you kind of get yourself in the mindset and how do you, um, I don't know, what what is your, what does your week look like when you start out? Well, you just covered a lot of different things uh, that I, yes, I want to get into, but for sure, I think we got to take these one step at a time. Uh, so first of all, I want to share some thoughts about the the practice, you know, the thing you first touched on, my tendency to start off, and you know, I agree, I can corroborate that. At the start of the week, for a couple of weeks, Tom and I were running the same lap times. Which, I mean, uh, no offense to you, but, and I don't think I'm terrible, but I mean, um, you and I are not the same, <laughs> you know, so, Yeah. <laughs> well we are the same the first practice session uh often it would be a lot closer than i would have expected i guess yeah mm-hmm. this is a trend we've known about uh internally at racecraft for for a long time especially for example kane has been with the team for a while now he was always significantly faster than me early on in the week and as we would practice i'd catch up and Depending on the car, depending on the track, sometimes we'd just run even, sometimes I'd overtake them. Like in the Porsche, I'll usually end up faster. But the trend is always the same. And funny enough, that's not really something we examined until really recently. Why do I keep improving while everybody else stalls out? Because everybody improves with practice, right? Everybody gets faster or at least one most people. Yeah. Right, one hopes. Unless it's me at Montreal or whatever it was when I ran my fast lap on Sunday and then didn't do it until the <laughs> Saturday race. So which which actually was quite frustrating. I don't think I've ever had that happen to be so stonewalled, you know. Yeah. Like I've had like a, you know, couple of days or whatever, but that was like day like literally like an hour and a half in or something best lap and then never like the whole week and i it wasn't lack of time and you know it just didn't happen again no hitting a plateau is is incredibly frustrating in practice it it's one thing when you know you're fast and you're just plateauing because there's not much more you can get out of the car personally but it's another thing when you just can't figure out the right way to get through the track and that happened to a lot of us at montreal I was lucky enough that something clicked like on the Friday, on Friday, right before the race or actually right after the race. I think I sucked all of Thursday and Friday and then showed up Saturday with a super fast car. Um, but yeah, we've been thinking about this and, and why this happens to me, how we can get other guys to improve with their practice consistently. And the one difference we're noticing is throughout practice, and especially after the first couple sessions, I am more precise with my reference points than anybody else. What that means is my breaking point... More specific or more precise? More precise. Okay. Not more specific. That's a very important distinction. Yeah, yeah, okay, sure. For example, at Spa, uh, a Rouge, my reference point was just 
how my car was angled over the curb on the left. And then I'd use that to time my rotation to the right and just trust that the car was going to be where, it was, where I wanted it to be. That worked pretty well. Um, what's happening is, as I dial in my driving, those timings, those references, get tighter and tighter and tighter. So that if I'm braking at a certain point, say at Sebring, if there's a mark on track that I'm using at my reference, as my reference, I brake just a, an instant after I hit it. And uh, say, say going into the hairpin at Sebring, I'm consistently not getting the car rotated well. It feels like I'm too slow going to the corner. I can make a very precise adjustment to wait just that little bit longer. And what I'm talking about is timing. I think that's something not many people consider. You want to have your visual references, of course. That's the most important building block. But you can't have a perfect visual reference for every corner. There's not going to be an exact spot on track that as you go over it, you turn here or you break here. Uh, or, you know, you, you apex at this specific spot. It's very rarely like that. So what comes into play is timing. You have a reference point that's as close to your breaking point as you can find. And if you can time your breaking consistently after that reference, then you can have a consistent breaking point, you know, very, very consistent, just within a couple of feet, without visually seeing anything. So what I think is happening, and this, this is just a theory at this point, uh, what I say, what I'm about to say is just conjecture, but it's an educated guess. My guess is that as I practice, I have my reference points, but I'm developing my timing to be more consistent and more precise, and also using that precision to make micro-adjustments for each corner. And that's what gets me going faster and faster. Okay, sure. I mean, that's that's interesting that you kind of say there's like, I thought it was interesting you described the there is no perfect reference. There's like a, you have your references, but your timing and, and your tiny adjustments are kind of making the pace. But let's actually, let's, so let's, so we kind of, so we, we hit on the, the, um, I don't know, the way you have taken the references and, and moved through them and how you find that more speed. So like um, in the first couple of days of your practice, like let's, let's, let's break it down on a more um, structural uh, situation. Are you, in your first couple of sessions out, are you just like doing laps? Are you just finding your early marks? I mean, what is, what is your, um, I imagine there's not too many times you're at a track you've never been before. I mean, maybe never at this point, but, until they make a new one. But um, let's say it's you haven't been there a long time or even if it was possibly new, what does that first couple of sessions look like for you? 
Well, especially in a car like the Porsche, which is very particular, every track is like a new track unless I've been there in the Porsche. Of course, I, I don't have to worry about remembering where the track goes, but mm -hmm. it still takes me a couple sessions to even get basic references and, and turn-ins and all that. Uh, but that's actually something I'm working on right now. I mentioned before the podcast that there are things that we're doing, things we've developed, and there are things that we're focused on working on right now. Structuring the practice is something that we're working on. Uh, my process, I will say it's a little more refined than it used to be. It used to be just running laps all the time. And probably not uncommon it, for people, yeah. Yeah. So what I've learned to do, and I think the reason I ever got to a world championship level, is I always improve as I'm running laps. Like I notice what works and what doesn't, what feels a little bit wrong, all that. But in some ways I am still just running laps, especially at the start of the week. I'm not at all precise when I'm deciding my first reference. I'm just basically going by instinct and feel. Um, and essentially, that's all I'm doing for the first two, three hours at a new track. Hmm. And that's not very efficient. Um, I, I guess I imagine, no, probably not. I mean, so at what point are you bringing up data either from um, VRS or the like or a teammate? Because like, I think, and, and maybe I'm, I'm wrong in doing so, but I probably have data up. Um, I mean, once I'm familiar and once I stop seeing, like if I if I go a number of laps, you know, we're like an hour in and or less even, and I don't have like a purple sector for a couple laps, that's probably like when I get out of the car and check like how far my line's off somewhere because I guarantee I'm like dropping three tenths somewhere and that's usually the case. Sure. Um, but it's probably different for someone at your level. Yeah, it is. And it also depends on what debt I have to pull from. If I don't have data that's faster than me, and yeah, sometimes you know sure. there will be a, a, a data pack or a teammate that's faster in one corner, and that'll be really useful. But if I'm the fastest data I have in every corner, I'm really not looking at. Uh, I'm really not stopping to look at it at all. Yeah, I don't know what it would tell you other than something about yourself. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, some things like if I'm struggling with the rotation of the car, for example, I'll see what inputs I'm putting in, see if there's something not quite adding up. Uh, just try and search for answers there. Or, you know, if the setup just doesn't feel right, I'll see if I can glean something from the data. But in general, especially for driving, uh, if I don't have a faster reference for driving, I don't really see much. That's not true. I do see value in it, but it's not part of my structure right now. No, that makes sense. 
It makes sense. I mean, I, it's probably very different for someone like me who, um, at least in the Porsche, I don't think I ever beat Rogers. I think um, mm-hmm. back when Phil Sell was doing the VRS sets, I think I beat him like one time, um, maybe a couple times. But uh, and Josh slaps are fast. Yeah, they're very good. Like there's like other cars where um, if I can get very close or like right on, I'm happy. I'm very happy. But um, with his laps, like when I'm within three three quarters of a second, it's it's like it's <laughs> that's like my IR pace. It's very, it's very. Uh, he's very fast. His 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 laps are very good right now in the data packs. So they are. Uh, the more relevant information I think is when I do have someone faster than me, and this happens a lot, like with the VRS data pack or teammates uh, earlier in the week when I'm not fully polished, I'm still finding the best way through each corner, still making tweaks to the setup. Uh, Well, I'm making tweaks to the setup until right before the race. But for the sake of this conversation, um, I generally, like if, if there's a corner I'm working on that I know I'm losing time in, I'll generally stop to look at data once I feel like I, I stop improving. I stop trying different things. I just hit a wall. I think that's the perfect time to look at data and just see what you might be missing. Because using data mechanically to just try and copy what the other person is doing doesn't really work. I've never... People really try to do that a lot, and I've never seen it be effective because driving a race car fast is so much of a feeling thing. It's almost an art as much as it's a skill. So, um, so how would you recommend approaching it, I guess? You have to feel it for yourself. And what I mean by that is you have to be trying different things. And what data should be telling you is what you haven't been trying that you might look for. Okay, I think that's a good way uh, and, to put it. I, 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 get what you, I get what you're saying. Yeah, and there, there's more to it because especially if you're you know, a, a second or more off the pace, and Tom can attest to this, actually. Uh, sorry oh, to this, call you out this like this, guy. Tom, but... Jesus Christ. We uh, we did talk about this specifically. Uh, Tom was what was it? I think it was breaking early. Uh, Can you tell like, me what, what it, it was? It was it was, um, it, was bre- it was breaking early because basically I the peak pressure was very good. However, after that. I took longer to get down to the same speed at apex. So it was like, why did you start doing that in the first place though? Cause it was something to do with, you were looking at Josh's data and trying to match him somewhere. Uh, it's because he, he breaks at this, at this certain time. And then at, he can, he can get on the throttle so early and carry so much right at apex. It's it's where I was on the break later which I, you know, makes you feel nice. However, at the actual point of apex, I just couldn't. You can't quite carry it through, and it wasn't like 
overdriving because I mean everyone at least I know what that feels like it was just the like the tiniest bit of where he got the rotation and the throttle better by braking earlier sure so earlier than yeah, I would have thought the rotation. yeah yeah but I mean it wasn't it was I wouldn't have ever guessed that I would have because it didn't it didn't feel like I was like oh wow I broke late I'm getting a bunch of understeer right. it's not what it felt like it was just the way he like the way he did it was probably earlier than most people expected, but it was quote unquote right and it was fast. And that's exactly the issue with data if you don't fully understand what you're looking at. And I think very few people fully understand what they're looking at with data. I think I still have a lot to learn in that regard. For, but uh, that especially for driving, that can really be where coaching comes in. Sure. If you don't understand everything that's going on with the car and how to maximize what's going on with the car, you can see something a fast guy is doing and in your head have totally the wrong reason for it because you feel like you're rotating the car well. You feel like you're hitting your apex, you're using all the track, which you probably are. You're when you get it right, you're hitting your intended apex. You're breaking as late as you feel like you can. You're tracking out. But if the fast guy is just rotating the car more efficiently through the corner, that's not gonna be very obvious in the driving data. Uh you know, yeah, if you want to look at really the slip angle that. graphs or uh ride heights of the front and the rear, you know, you can you can extrapolate some of that, but that's really advanced and really difficult. Um, well, so I, I know we're getting a little bit off structure here, but I, I do think it may be worth bringing up that when I did a session with you and um, anyone listening, Brian does, Brian does coaching and I, I can, I can personally attest it was quite helpful. So, uh, but uh, but I thought it was interesting too because so um, the Porsche Cup is not a car that I'm particularly unfamiliar with. I have driven it since I basically have been on the service since I got my C license, and I understand that trail braking is a thing. I you know like you read about it right when you first start trying the car, so it's not like a it wasn't like an epiphany like trail braking. I understand you know I I have like understood for like a year now what that means and how to do it. But I thought it was interesting that, um, especially with Phil Sell's data, looking at it and always being like, how is he going faster than me? He's on throttle so early. He's on throttle so early. Like, how is he doing that? And then trying to copy that. And, you know, like it, w- it would work reasonably. I'd go faster and faster, and I always would be. But um, it got to be like, uh, like a weird habit slash obsession on like that's how I'd go fast in the car. That when um, I did a session with you at Okayama, uh, I was like so zoned in on getting on throttle early. Even though I was, I mean, I was looking at the data and I was like, oh, Josh is like trail breaking a little bit differently, such and such. But like the throttle, I was like, oh, the throttle is the key bit. It must be the throttle. How is he doing it? And we got in a session, and you're like, oh, you just need to hold the brake more, like, at rotation. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll try that. And then we went through it, went faster. 
And then I kept practicing, I went faster. And then I got to Sebring and I went faster. And I was like, huh, I just needed someone to tell me how to do the thing good. Like, you know, so work through it and look <laughs> at the data and understand and explain. Um, I don't want to call, I mean, that's simplifying what you looked at, not what you do. But in the end, it's like someone who knows what they're looking at, how to explain it and how to go faster, like, that's what it took. And it wasn't because I didn't understand the car, but I, yeah, that, that's the, that's the, that's the coaching thing that really, I think, is quite valuable. Yeah, I, exactly. Uh, and I think, well, you really hit the nail on the head on what value there is in coaching immediately. And a lot of people in, like, the 3,000 to 4,000 I rating range are in a place that, they naturally are pretty close to the limit of the car. You know, you understand your, your racing lines, uh, you understand how to hit the apex, you understand keeping the car on the limit throughout the corner. But the, the techniques of actually manipulating the limit so that the car remains balanced through the corner or uh, adjusting your racing line so that you use the rear tires fully, for example, just throwing out something random. You just don't know that you're missing it. Mm. Like, especially in that 3 to 4K range. I see it all the time. People have the right idea. You just don't know what you're missing. So I think there's really a ton of value in getting just one coaching session every few months. Uh, now, there's also value in a more uh, more specific, more intense program, like once a week or even more. But that's more uh, if you're trying to improve quickly and certainly... There's a there's a ton of value per dollar to get a coaching session just to check in, just to see what you're missing right now. I and agree. I think Tom can attest to that. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, uh, and not everyone has the budget for weekly, but I don't think you necessarily. And of course, like yeah, getting coaching all the time, like that's obviously the best way. But um, yeah, I honestly think once a month or once every other month is like for a lot of people is probably. I don't, I don't know. I would hesitate to call it sufficient, but I mean, probably um, surprisingly useful. I imagine a lot of people would be surprised on how much that difference that makes. Um, so now we, we kind of, we've gotten in the weeds a little bit and that's um, I think really interesting, but uh, and I, and I, I, um, I, I think it's interesting how you've talked about RKE and, and what you guys are doing, but if, if, so like let's let's say what do you think uh maybe we could break down like a ideal um let's say like you know two I'm thinking like a two point eight K or three K where it's like certainly you know proficient and understood understand the car, understand some level of racecraft. Um but if someone's doing a weekly series, you know, they're right around that just just on the edge of three K. Um what do you think like an ideal uh, workup to the um, maybe like someone who's going to race like Thursday and then the weekend? What is like an ideal practice week you think that would look like? Say I have, I don't know, four hours to practice throughout the week. 
So like, when do I start looking at data? When do I start thinking about setup? When do I, um, you know, when do I need to pull elsewhere? Like how, how do, when do I decide to make these things as just turning laps? That's kind of, that's kind of what I'm interested because I mean, I, I'm kind of interested to hear what you think about that, how I make, how I'd be really efficient with my time. Sure. Well, to answer your question specifically, uh, four hours a week of practice isn't a lot and certainly not enough to compete at a really high level. Mm-hmm. But it's but definitely it's enough to have some consistent improvement and to do pretty well, have a consistent lapse. The thing about such a low amount of practice, and this is the part that you really run into at the highest levels, is with two to three hours of practice, usually you've got your breaking points, you've got how you want to take the track, you've got a good idea how things are supposed to be going. Then it's time to start making the little adjustments. So when after two or three hours, you generally know how fast you're capable of taking a corner. You know if there's more time there, and you've probably gotten that time at least once. So that's when I find it really valuable to compare to, to start comparing data and to start working on setups. Uh, because before you're consistent at a track, before you're maximizing the car to your own capabilities, of course, um, there's really no point to look at data because each corner is so different every time you take it and you're still exploring. Um, it's better just to, to feel the car, feel what's happening. Don't worry about the setup unless there's something blatantly wrong and just focus on driving. Once you find that baseline level of consistency, you know how fast you can take the corner, then it's time to look to data to find what you're missing. This really goes back to what I was saying just a few minutes ago. Um, At that point, you can use data to learn some of what you don't know, to fill in some of those gaps. You know, I'm taking turn nine as fast as I think I can, but whoa, Josh Rogers is going a tenth and a half faster through there. I know. That What's he doing? Like, yeah. Is he taking a different line? Is he braking later or earlier? Is he rotating the car differently? Uh, of course, that's a hard one to see on data, that last one. But those are the kind of questions we're asking at that point. Whereas if you look at data any earlier, it's just, oh, I screwed up that corner. You can't learn anything from that. Sure. No, I, I think that, so I think that, I, I think that kind of um, flushes out the structure a little bit more on, on when it's time. And, uh, and, and I think, you know, a lot of times there's probably not like a hard and fast answer for something like that. Um, depending on how the comfort level is and such, but it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. Uh, even like personally, um, and two, there's, there's probably a question of motivation. Um, mm-hmm. so 
Yeah, and I am. I don't usually have more time than I would be motivated to use. Um, just being um, a father and having a job and playing music on the side. I mean, relatively busy. Although with COVID, I've been playing a lot of gigs. However, normally I don't. I'm not like I don't have extra time. I I could just be like, oh man, if I was more motivated, I could be practicing right now. Although I could be. Uh, not recording this damn podcast. I could be driving right now, so I guess that's that's a problem. Uh, but but <laughs> but uh, I I do actually. This is something that I found kind of. I found different ways to motivate myself in uh, to just not run laps. So, um, and I imagine it's probably different for everyone too. And and to be like really focused on what you're doing, and and it probably needs different levels of. You may be working on a setup. You work. You want to be more consistent rather than like just outright blazing fast because you want a good baseline data. Um, but but uh, so like for example, my my um, to keep motivation up. Sometimes I I like to. I'm big into like competing against myself. Maybe it's because from the cycling background. Mm-hmm. Um, but so how do you? Because I know you've put big hours in, like Zanvoort last. Last year for <laughs> the the Porsche Sports Super Cup was like sixty hours or something, um, and I know a lot of people are not in the situation to just have tons of time. But like, how do you keep motivated and not just like brainlessly running laps sometimes? And when it comes later in the week, well, I'll tell you what that motivation problem is exactly what happened after Zandvoort, and although Zandvoort was an amazing experience being that far up in the world championship. Uh, you know, I felt like I had, I had pace to run with anybody except Seb and maybe Josh. And that was just incredible. It was the, one of the highest highs I've ever felt, but it was also kind of a huge mistake to start off the season like that because the amount of work I put in for Zandvoort, the amount of effort was just, it was all-consuming. And while it gave me a great result, it also set the bar really high for myself. So all of a sudden, and of course, there's a lot to learn from this in, in mental game and in strategies to practice, but my experience this season was that the Zandvoort race actually contributed to me burning out pretty hard I think around around Donington because it felt like no matter how much effort I put in I wasn't going to put in the same amount that I put into Zandvoort because that was just unsustainable completely I mean I was whenever I had any energy at all I was practicing yeah um and I, I just got into this situation where I could never put that much time into another race, yet I still wanted to have that same result or close to it. That sounds and like a real recipe for high anxiety. <laughs> you have no idea. Yeah, sure. Uh, 2020 has been a good year for me, but it's also been one of the most stressful years of my life. Uh, but they, I, I learned a lot from it, and I'm really happy I have had the chance to have this experience. Back to your question, motivation. Mm-hmm. How do you do better? Mm-hmm. 
I think the number one thing you can do is to find a team, a group of people to work with and to practice with. And it's a really bad idea to just go out and find any group of guys that will run with you. Because if you're with the wrong team that doesn't share similar goals, um, you'll find yourself almost even more isolated. Because here are these guys that you thought you could work together and practice with and keep each other focused, push each other. And you're the only one working that hard. Well, that's super demoralizing. Even taking a step back from that. Something a lot of people don't ask themselves, and I think is really important to keep motivation up, is you got to ask why you're racing in the first place. What what brings you here? What do you like about it? You know, you have to like something, otherwise you wouldn't be racing. Do you like the competition? Do you like just driving different cars? Uh, wheel to wheel racing? Do you like pushing yourself? Do you want to be the best world? Do you want to be the next world champion, or do you want to just have fun? And I, I think you need to structure your practice along with your goal. If you don't do that, it doesn't matter what strategies you employ. You'll you'll burn out. Mm. That's a that's an excellent quote. I think actually that that is like uh, uh, someone clipped that. Uh, otherwise, I well that was that was, ex- that was excellent. I think. Um, I think I think we might end on that. I think we could talk about the mental game like endlessly, and I want to. Oh, yeah. And maybe maybe I'll bring you back. Um, hey, when does Super Cup start for in 2021? January 9th. January 9th. Um, yes, at Interlagos. You know, I was going to skip this week, but then I saw the first race is at Interlagos, so it's it's a complete waste to miss this uh, prep chance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't worry. I'll be pinging you uh, also during the Super Cup to come talk about races. I'm, I I have a feeling you're you're... It's going to be a good year. Um, not a rookie anymore. Uh, Hope so. We'll I, th- uh, I think we'll end on that. And, and I, I think I, I love the idea that you need to practice in a format that matches your goals and expectations. And um, I thought it was, it was great. You mentioned having fun. And even if that's not like, I think like it, it would be easy to say, "Oh, they're just having fun." Oh, they're fun racer, which is one not productive to hate on people who have fun because that's like the goal. I don't know. That's what we all do. But two, um, if you're not having at least some sort of fun, you're probably not gonna have good results anyway. Is that a fair statement? At least like if if you have a zero fun. And I'm not saying like you just screw off. I would say that you... fun. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, fun is the wrong word there. Okay. Enjoy. I don't have maybe? fun with the world championship very often, if ever. Uh, it's just it's not something that I'm I have as a priority. But I find really deep fulfillment out of pushing myself, improving to this level. And uh, also helping other people push themselves and improve. That might be a better better word. Um, 
fulfillment or, or fun. Yes. And yeah. Satisfaction. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would, that would be better. Um, because fun, I think I, especially too, there's probably like connotation there that people imagine like week 13 fun. And that's not really what I mean. Um, but I think you, you hit it on the head on, on, on exactly what that entails. Um, because if you didn't find it satisfying, you wouldn't be putting in 60 hours to have a good result. I mean, exactly. And to actually answer your question, I completely agree. Yes. If you are not getting a sense of satisfaction from what you're doing, you're not going to perform like you want to. There's just no way. Sure. Uh, I think that's it. I think we're going to end special one on that. Um, yeah, I hope that was helpful for anyone. Anyone uh, going to give this a listen? And um, I think uh, I don't need any promises right now because uh, I know you got a lot of interlagos practice coming up in the next month and a half. Um, but I'd love to talk mental game sometime uh, and um, a little a little Porsche Sports Super Cup when that rolls around that that recap welcome anytime so uh but yeah I appreciate you talking talking practice practices practice protocol and practice I forgot my <laughs> p word practice policy I don't remember what it was was that the seven p's or the nine p's of practice I can't talk about the other p's on stream <laughs> tell Manny I wouldn't talk about them anymore uh. All right, man. Well, I really appreciate it. Um, yeah. Uh, thanks for talking through this. And it was, it was, it was, uh, yeah. selfishly, it was also helpful for me and, uh, <laughs> uh I'll be running. I think I'm going to run some more GT4. So I'll be probably contacting you about maybe a little, little coaching session with that as I think I'm starting to stagnate too. So you'll, you'll probably All hear right. from me in general. Sounds good. Thanks right. for having me, Tom. I really enjoyed this. Oh yeah, I mean it's 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 excellent every time. So uh, thanks for hopping on. All right, man. Catch you later. <laughs>